Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. This show is dedicated to the loving memory of Henry Lee Jr., the young man who lost his life Gay Pride Weekend in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's honor Henry's life with a brief moment of silence. Thank you. Strip away the flesh and bone. Look beyond the lies you've known. Everybody wants to talk about a freak. No one wants to dig that deep. Let me take you underneath. Baby, better watch yourself. Never mind what's on the left You're gonna see things you might not wanna see Still not that easy for me underneath Welcome, welcome, welcome Welcome back to the talk with Micah and friends And yes, it is me, Micah <laughs> I'm so glad that you all have decided to join me for yet another episode of the Talk with Mike and Friends. This, for the record, is episode show number seven within season two, but episode show number 28 overall. I want to thank all of you for your continued support, and remember that you have multiple ways that you can actually subscribe to the show. You can simply go to www.hipcast.com or blogtalkradio.com forward slash the talk with Micah, or you may also subscribe via iTunes for free from your iPhone 4, 4S, 5, 5C, or 5S device, or simply iTunes on your computer. Just remember to search for The Talk with Micah and Friends, and there you have it. I also want to give a few shout-outs before we hear from our sponsors. I want to personally congratulate Joey Taylor and Brooklyn Height on winning Mr. and Miss Continental 2015 over the Labor Day weekend in Chicago, Illinois. I also want to personally thank Jim Flint and his amazing staff, along with Skip Mackle and Antonio King, for welcoming me, little old me, with opening arms, as I had the pleasure of judging all 30 ladies who vied for the title of Miss Continental 2015. I'm amped, and I cannot wait until April for Miss Continental Plus and Miss Continental Elite. Again, congrats to Jim, Joey, and Brooklyn Heights. Before we get into the meat of our show, let's take a minute to pay a few bills and listen to a word from our sponsors.
Hello, everyone. It is Christian Lord St. James checking in from Shanghai, China, and it is time for Shufa Akanjing. Once again, it's time for Shufa Akanjing. In Chinese, that means free and clear. You heard it. That's right. It's time for the free and clear segment. <laughs> Diamonds are forever. We, the Diamond of the South family, cordially invite you to join us December the 5th for an amazing night of pageantry. Mr. and Mrs. Diamond of the South 2014-2015, honoring Mr. Alphonse Dupree and Miss Daphne Dupree at the historic Carver Theater in New Orleans, Louisiana, featuring Diamond of the South newcomers Amaje Dickerson and Miss Sequoia Dickerson, Miss Diamond of the South Plus, Miss Coffee, and hosted by yours truly, Mr. Amarje Davenport Dickerson. For more information, contact Diamond of the South or any Diamond of the South family member via Facebook. Remember, it's your time to shine. So save the date. See you there. Hey, what's up there, my beautiful people? This is Mr. Black Universe, Cameron Black. Just want to take the time to invite you all out October 31st through November 2nd of this year as myself, along with Giselle, Barbie Royale, and Tamara Chevalier relinquish our titles. Thank you all for coming on this journey. We hope to see you then. Oh, and by the way, who wants to rule? Good evening, everyone. My name is Jaheem Lopez Dupree, and I just wanted to announce to everyone that I do have a give up coming up this Sunday um, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, September the 14th for Buy Your Awareness Newcomer, which there is Closet Ball that same night. Um, if you do have any questions that you want to ask in reference to competing, um, you can hit me up on my Facebook page, which is Jaheem Lopez Dupree, or you can hit up my queen, which is Alexis White, or my Closet Ball queen, which is Darrell Red. So any further information or questions, please don't be afraid to hit us up. God bless you all. Good night. Good evening, everyone out there in Westland. I'm your personal grand empress, Yesha Bubbles Alexander, calling from the lovely city of New Orleans, Louisiana. Join me January 24th and 25th as I relinquish my title as well as the beautiful Candace Brooks, the Closet Ball Queen. For contest details, you can contact myself as well as the Oblique West or Candace Brooks. Guys, you want to come out, support, support, support. It's going to be a very good pageant. And for all the contestants, I have one bit of advice. Make sure your tuck is right and your bra is tight because it's going to be a contest that night. See you then. Let me tell you who to blame. Blame the boy lying at your feet, his body oozing life through the hole in his stomach where the bullet tore him apart. Blame him for challenging you, for not looking away and for not backing down when you pulled out the gun. Blame your mother for bringing you into this world when she was but a kid herself and for dragging you up not bringing you up. Blame society for not giving you hope. Blame your father for not being there, the man who looked after himself instead of looking after you. Blame the gun in your hand for making you a target, for making you more likely to be picked on. Blame the dead boy, blame your mother, blame society, blame your father, blame the gun, blame anyone but yourself for not being strong enough to put down the gun, to break the cycle. Well, welcome back. If you're just joining us, you've joined us at the best time. Um, welcome to Micah's very first town hall meeting, similar to my All About the Topic show and the debate show. Um, I've noticed that over the past year, we all seem to have lots to say about the things that truly don't matter and things that aren't going to enrich our lives and bring together people for their common good. So with recent events that have taken place over the past month, I thought it was best 
that I bring a few of my friends on the show to allow us to openly discuss what's going on in our community, not just the LGBTQ community, but our community as a whole. Now, I truly don't believe that we have to separate ourselves from the world if we don't necessarily have to. Times are simply changing, and if we don't get it right quick, we'll be left behind. I want to welcome to the show for the very first time um, two new members, um, one of New Orleans, Louisiana, Mr. Del Rio Cole. Welcome to the show, Del Rio. Thank you, Micah. Um, you're welcome. Uh, a big personality from down south from Tallahassee, Florida, the Sebastian Alexander Bonet. Welcome to the show. What's the tea, baby? <laughs> no tea. And last but certainly not least, I like to call him the consummate debater of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Mr. Cam Gray. Welcome back, Cam. Hello, hello, hello. And Cam, I just want to say out of 28 episodes, you've been a part of, I believe, now four episodes. Um, unfortunately, I do not have any residual, residual checks just yet, um, but, again, I thank you for taking the time out to be a part of yet another show. And, again, thank you so very much. Del Rio Cole and the Sebastian Alexander Bonet. Um, everyone that's actually listening, um, well, not necessarily listening, but the ones who, well, yeah, listening, the ones that are listening via um, stream, you know, streaming through the blogtalkradio.com forward slash to talk with Micah, just so you know, um, you don't necessarily have the ability to call in and ask me a question, but you do have the ability to open up the chat pod. And if you have a question that you would like or a topic that you would like to have discussed on the show by the three gentlemen as well as myself, open up the chat pod on your stream, um, on the uh, streaming section, and there you should be able to, you know, ask me any question that you like. And if we get have time to get to you, we'll definitely um, go from there. Callers, if you have topics or you have concerns, once we actually kind of get into the meat of the, of the show, all you have to do is press 1 and I'll allow you to chime in, okay? Uh, so let's see here. Well, I'll go ahead and start. How about that? Are you guys ready? Ready. Okay, you sound a little ready. Gay. I know it's a town hall meeting, <laughs> but you can, you can lasten up a little bit. The, the, first, yeah, uh, ready. the first topic on, um, on the agenda, I, I, I'm titling this Adjusted, and I want to play um, an audio really quickly for us to listen to, and then we're going to talk about... Um, talk about, you know, justice and, and what that's all about and what that entails. So give me one moment. I'll play this audio for it. We continue following a very hostile breaking news situation. 18-year-old Michael Brown, an unarmed African-American teenager, was shot to death by white police officer Darren Wilson. An autopsy indicates that Michael was shot at least six times. Brown's family and many in the Ferguson community believe the shooting was unprovoked. Police say Michael Brown physically assaulted the officer first. Dozens of people who saw this shooting happen, they say this officer acted unjustly. As the news spread, protests erupted across the country. And the people of Ferguson took to the streets with their hurt, anger, and outrage. Police showed up with... My audio, I'm sorry, my audio was um, acting up, so um, I do want to say this before I get um, the responses from the guys. Um, the shooting of Michael Brown occurred on August 9, 2014 in Ferguson, 
Missouri. Um, Brown, who was an unarmed black man, was shot to death by a white police officer, Mr. Dan Wilson. The disputed circumstances of the shooting, protests, and civil unrest have received considerable attention in the United States and abroad. Brown and Dorian Johnson were walking down the middle of the street when Wilson drove up and ordered them to move to the sidewalk. Brown and Wilson struggled through the window of the police vehicle until Wilson's gun discharged or was fired. Then Brown and Johnson began to flee. Wilson pursued on foot, firing his weapon. Wilson then hit Brown with six shots, then killing him. Witness reports differ greatly as to whether Brown was standing with his hands up or moving towards Wilson when the fatal shot was fired. The Ferguson Police Department released a video of, of a convenience store robbery, which occurred minutes before the shooting. It showed a confrontation between Brown and a store employee. The timing of the video's release was criticized by Brown's family as well as others, but it was defended by the city. Brown had no criminal record. Wilson has served as a police officer for five years, three of those with the Ferguson, Ferguson Police Department, and he had no disciplinary history. The shooting sparked unrest in Ferguson, a suburb of St. Louis, Missouri, in part due to racial, ten racial tensions between the majority black community and the majority white city government as well as police. Protests, vandalism, looting, and other forms of social unrest continued for more than a week, with occurrences of, of escalating violence, night curfews being imposed. Widespread media coverage examined the post-9-11 trend of police militar ugh, militarization especially when dealing with protests, excuse me. The FBI has opened a civil rights investigation related to the shooting. U.S. President Barack Obama expressed condolences to the Brown family. The U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder announced that the Justice Department will investigate the Ferguson Police Force for possible misconduct or discrimination. The shooting is now under investigation by a county grand jury, which will decide whether Wilson should stand trial for killing Brown. So we're going to talk briefly about the Michael Brown situation. And we're talking about it. I just want to ask a few open-ended questions, and I'm sure the answers of which, you know, will go into detail from there. So, um, Cameron, are you here? <laughs> <laughs> so, so my question to you, Cameron, is what is justice? <laughs> and I ask that because... I asked that. I, I want to start off with that. And I asked that because um, when when uh, I watched Diana go to Ferguson, and of course we watched, um, you know, on CNN and HLN and all this, you know, all those different uh, stations, where the uh, residents of Ferguson and, and surrounding areas were talking about no justice, no peace, and, and this and the other, and Al Sharpton, Al Sharpton was talking about justice and all that good stuff. Let the let let the listening audience know. Um, in, in your opinion, what what is justice? Okay, right, so I'm gonna say two things in, in regards to that. Um, okay. What I think justice is supposed to be is supposed to be a representation of equality, um, protection. It's supposed to be, make you feel comforted in this country. However, I will go on record as saying, in my opinion, justice is just like beauty. It's in the eye. It's in the eye of the beholder. I say that because justice is not the same for any two people. Because it's in your heart of hearts what you would like to happen, what, 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 what do you think is fair. And all of that can be really objective, if you, can, if you kind of can understand where I'm going with that. Mm -hmm. 
And so okay. it's kind of like just as the, the definition for it, in my opinion, is not the same for any two people because it's what you perceive it to be. Now, it's supposed to be the equality and fair treatment as far as legal judicials issue and uh, social and economic issues are concerned, but we know that's not the case always. Right. Um, uh, Del Rio or uh, D. Sebastian, uh, what is justice in, in your opinion? I would, I would uh, agree with Cameron that just mm-hmm. the definition of justice is pretty fluid. Um, mm-hmm. I think as time has gone, you've seen that more laws have been enacted, uh, due in part uh, to the fact that there's been more lawlessness in our world. So mm-hmm. the more lawlessness there is, the more laws we have to enact. And I think um, that the more laws you enact, the uh, the grayer uh, the picture gets when it comes to uh, justice. Because I think uh, originally or initially, the definition of justice would be uh, fairness, impartiality, uh, morality, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, justice is just like Cam said, like uh, just like we say, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It's mm-hmm. almost as if justice is because you can have a uh, a fifth circuit, you can have a person go up go for uh, go for trial, and that trial does not weigh in his favor. He can appeal to say the fifth circuit, and the fifth circuit court of appeals can rule one way. And then you can have somebody on the other side of the country, and they appeal, and it, the, the cases can match. The crimes can match all of the evidence. Everything matches the same. And they can go and they can appeal uh, appeal their case to the Fourth Circuit and get two different um, outcomes from two different judges. So I think justice is, is pretty fluid uh, as, as we know it now. Okay. So justice is, you know, fairness, um, uh, righteousness, morals, morality, all, all that um, encompasses um, encompasses the word justice. So, uh, Sebastian, how how do you think we can enforce justice? See, the thing about justice, like um, Del Rio said, is it's a very great area. It is okay. subjective. You know, when you say the word justice, or I want justice, or there needs to be justice. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a different definition of what justice is. Mm-hmm. Someone could say justice could be the death penalty. Someone could say justice could be mm-hmm. life behind bars. Someone mm-hmm. may say justice could be, you know, being free or, or not, you know, not having to pay that crime, you know. So mm-hmm. it is very fluid. It is very great. Um, as far as, you know, the question of justice being how, how – now, what was your question? How should it be repaid? I, uh, hold on. So, somebody has some music playing in the background. <laughs> okay. Um, I said, you know, how, how can we enforce just you know, how can we enforce it, you know, as a community, uh, as a whole? How can we enforce justice? And I'll, I'll even add this, who should enforce it? So how can we enforce justice, it? Who enforce it? Justice is a collaborative effort. You know, okay. um, it's not just for the, the police or the sheriff or the FBI or the highway patrol. It is a collaborative effort. It comes down to when you see something, you say something. Even within the African-American community, we take this approach, well, you know, it's none of my business. Even mm-hmm. if I saw it, it's none of my business. I'm not, I'm not going to get involved because I don't want anything to happen to me. 
um, or my family. But it is a collaborative effort. When you see something, you speak about it. It's almost like that old saying, once you know better, you do better. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's not just the police to, to enforce um, justice or to bring to justice. We have to take our part as a community because the only thing, the only way things will get better is if you use your voice. And that's what's missing within, the, in my opinion, within the African-American community. We don't use our voice. The only time mm-hmm. we use our voice is when something like this in Ferguson's happened, in Ferguson that happens. You know, we have it in our community on a daily basis, right. on a daily basis that it doesn't hit the mainstream, the mainstream, it does not hit national news. And so it's just like, oh, well, it happened, you know, and we're going to go on about our business. But when it hits the national stage, now all of a sudden we as African-Americans want to be in an uproar. We want to be pissed off. We want to have, you know, issues with it. And I'm going to go far enough to say this. We want to have issues because it is a white man. Now, let it have been a black officer, would it get this, this much attention? You know what I'm saying? We as blacks, we kill ourselves on a daily basis. We don't, we don't march for, you know, the black man the other black men, it's like, oh, that's just a part of our community, that's a part of our nature, that's a part of our culture. But if someone outside of the African-American race, you know, does this, it's like, oh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. You know, it's a racial thing or, and I'm not saying it was not a racial thing, but that's the only time when we want to stand up and use our voice when it is someone outside of the African-American community. When are we going to start using our voice for the things inside the African-American community? That's all I'm saying. I, I love that. I thought, Okay. Go ahead. Well, no, Cameron, I'll, I'll say – no, go ahead, Cameron. Go ahead, Cam, and then I'll say what I want to say afterwards. Go ahead. I, I just want to interject a quick thought because I thought – I'm tongue-tied today. We all tongue-tied today. Go ahead. <laughs> Although I agree with most of what you said, but let me, let, me, let me put this thought in your head too. Because for me, I personally get irritated when situations like this arise, and then the first thing we say is – and the first thing that most outsiders say is black kills blacks, black kills blacks every day. To me, that is still not a reason to justify uh, un, uh, unjust murder. Mm-hmm. That, that is not a reason to say that we shouldn't look into this further just because black kills black. Black, ki- mm-hmm. black people kill black people every day. White people kill white people every day also. Hell, they blow each other up. They commit suicide together too. But when something unjust happens, we don't say, well, white kill white folks every day too. Because they do it too, but it's bro- we broadcast those issues like it's an excuse not to have justice served. So, number one, we have to stop perpetuating that nonsense to begin with. And then I understand what you said. We need to address the issues in our community, but as far as America concerned, is concerned, well, as far as I'm concerned with America, we need to address the initial issue first, which is the unfair and unjust treatment of blacks in this country because we assume that the justice system is for us, but how can a justice system be for us when it was created during a time where we weren't even considered human beings? Now, we've made some adjustments along the way, but we haven't truly, we haven't truly recognized this issue and addressed it because we want to continue to sweep it under the rug. We want to continue to sweep race relations under the rug and throw excuses out there like the one that you just gave, oh, black kill blacks every day, so it's okay. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that blacks – no, I'm not saying that blacks kill blacks every day and it's okay. But what I'm saying is is that we need to start within the community. All I'm, I'm not saying that 
you know, it's okay for the white man to kill the black man. I'm not saying that by any means because if there is a racial uh, motive behind it or a racial initiative behind it, by all means, deal with the issue at hand, prosecute, figure out what the issue is. But my point is saying this. We are silent about the wrong things. We only want to rev up when there's something outside of the African-American community. When are we going to rev up when there's things within the African-American community? That's all I'm saying. Well, I think, Sebastian, just, 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 just to, to push a little bit on that, when, when we're talking about things that occur in the African-American community uh, specific versus things that come from without and affect us within, we're talking about things um, that we can't tackle. We can't tackle the, uh, a white man killing a black man in the same manner that we can attack black men killing other black men. So when a black man kills another black man, we, there, there are some, some systemic issues in our community that are based around socioeconomic issues that we need to get to. So we have murders that occur either because of drug deals. We have murders that occur uh, because of robberies. We have murders that occur for other reasons. A lot of those reasons are based solely in socioeconomic issues. So if those things are addressed first, then we can, do, we can address this black-on-black crime issue. Now, with the, the white-on-black issue, it becomes a, a different issue because they're not coming to kill because they need something or they're trying to get something that they see you have. They're coming to kill out of pure hatred. So that's a different level of, of, of crime that we have to address when we're doing that. We can deal with us. We can deal with us. Martin Luther King and, 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 and a few other um, activists have shown us that we can deal with us. But when others come, and I'm seeing others in, in, in the, you know, for, for the lack of words, speaking of black versus white, when, when others come into our community and they start killing uh, young black people, then we have an issue where Justice has to be served we, because justice becomes more of an accountability issue now. I always tell my students at school, wherever you go, you're going to have to be accountable for to someone and for something. If you're at home, you're going to have to be accountable to your parents. If you're in the street, you're going to have to be accountable for the, to the police. If you don't like the police, you're going to have to be accountable to the next OG, bully, thug, whatever you want to call them in the street, who you think you're better than or you think you're better than, you're going to have to be accountable to them at work. You're accountable to an employer. So everywhere you go, there's going to be a level of accountability, and all of those things serve as a catalyst or as a support to justice. So in the community, it's different trying to tackle this justice issue versus it coming from without, you know, from outside of the community. Hmm. And, let, and let me and let me say this. Well, I, I I love what you guys are saying, and of course, if you have anything else to say, you know, of course, I want you to chime in. But I, I do want to say this um, when it pertains to justice, because um, I when the Ferguson when everything happened, and um, I then started to really get engulfed in in it all. Um, I would my TV would be on CNN for three four hours, even all the way up until the next the next morning. And um, and then I looked at the, when the young she went to Ferguson. And, um, you know, she dealt with them there to get a better understanding of what was actually going on. Um, I understood then, you know, what, um, what, what they wanted. Um, I, and I think from the outside looking in, we didn't necessarily know, not, I'm, I'm just not saying just the three of us or the four of us. I'm saying just the general. We, we didn't know 
what they were really wanting. Even even the, the white Americans and the Latinos and whoever else out there, you know, they didn't know exactly what these black men and these black women were really fighting for when they were saying no justice, no peace. What I what I've gathered um, over the, the course of the week and, and looking at, you know, various things is the fact that the white officer in Ferguson doesn't have a good picture. They're, they're deemed as negative. They're deemed as bad, you know, and they don't have a good representation in that particular community. So I, what I took from when she spoke with, um, with the, the drug dealers or the, uh, the thugs in that area was the fact that they're not treated fairly. And I think their justice was the fact that once the young kind of got down to it is that they just want to be treated fairly. They want to be treated like the white, like the white man or, or, or the whoever, you know, but they want to be treated like everyone else. Now, with, that, with saying that, I also believe that our black race in that particular community and uh, in other communities, we, we walk like we own everything. Or we, or, or, we, or we come across as being negative, not necessarily positive in, in the community. We're not doing great things for our community. So they automatically look at us or look at the race as being, as being negative. Um, so it's kind of like a double standard. You want the just, you want the peace, but what are you offering to your community, you know? And I, I think that that's what it kind of boiled down to. It. And, you know, I don't, I don't think at first they really knew, they, they knew what they uh, were, were marching for, but they really didn't know their purpose until afterwards. And um, I think with Michael Brown, with, with that happening, it was almost like a wake-up wake call for them. It was almost like, okay, wait a minute. We're, we already have to be on defense anyway. We're tired. We're not treated, you know, we're not treated fairly. So what do you guys think about that? Do you think that the, um, the Ferguson, the people of Ferguson and St. Louis, do you, think they, do you think they jumped the gun without getting all of the facts, or do you think they did exactly what they were supposed to do at that time? I, I think, oh, this is Gary. I really think that I don't think they jumped the gun. I think it gets, everything gets to a boiling point. Like, it, it stems, uh, you can go from Mike Brown to Trayvon Martin, even all the way back to Rodney King to Emmett Till. Okay, uh, Cam, Cam, stop for a okay. second. I, okay, now move, move around in your house. I was kidding for static. Now, now, go ahead and continue. <laughs> oh, was it static? <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I can hear you now. Okay, like I was saying, like, I think it's just a build-up. Um, it's kind of like a, a melting point. You can, you can, like I was saying, you can start with Mike Brown. You can go back to Trayvon Martin. You can mm-hmm. even take it back to Rodney King, to Emmett Till. Mm-hmm. These, these kind of situations have been happening for so long, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like we scream justice at all of these situations, and nothing ever comes of it. It's like, okay, we talk about it for a little while, and then something else takes over the news, then it dies down, then it goes back to being the same scenario over again. Mm-hmm. And my thing in all these situations is, even if these black men were wrong, which mm-hmm. they could be very well be wrong. Mike Brown could very well be wrong for trying to assault an officer. However, mm-hmm. I'm looking at it from a situation of fairness. Before you get into the judgmental, oh, before you paint him into being a thug, right. the situation for what it is, because, mm-hmm. number one, I never heard of six warning shots. <laughs> right. <laughs> him four times, then you pause and hit him again. That's one shot. That's already five shots too many, if you ask me. 
You get what I'm saying? Right. And then not even to go on, it's not me, because I still don't know the facts of the situation. We we all are only speculating at this point. Right. However, mm-hmm. the fairness comes in. What I'm talking about is why does every black man in these situations, instead of give, giving the benefit of a doubt to be the victim, we become the suspect. Whether we're mm-hmm. dead or alive, we automatically, mm-hmm. we get placed on trial for our own death. We become, oh, he smoked weed. Oh, he bullied this kid. And it's like, to me, all that is saying is because you were these things or we think you were these things, that's the reason why you're dead now. And my thing is, how fair is that? Because when you dissect the situation, these kids who get out here and do these mass so these mass bombings and these mass shootings, the first thing we don't say, oh, this kid is a thug or he smoked weed. The thing they right. say about those kids is, oh, let's examine his psychological mindset at the time during the, while this happened. What was he going through in his personal life? We dissect those people, but we, when it comes to us, oh, no, he a thug. Oh, no, he smoked weed. We do everything negative to perpetuate a certain image instead of giving them the benefit of a doubt to be the victim. Well, I mean, that's nothing. I mean, I, I hear you, Cam, but, and I, let me, let me, okay. I hear you and I agree, but that is nothing new with America or the justice system. Oftentimes, the and victims that is the issue. are. That's nothing new. And I'm trying to figure out how, how, how to, how to word this without coming off as being a jackass. No, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. And, 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 it, and it, it, this just could very well. And, and I know I'm going to say this. People are going to say, wow, Sebastian, you said that. Um, because of the way that I live and the stuff that I put out in the community, because I'm very mm-hmm. out and open about a lot of things. Yeah. But it comes down to, hey, don't do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it comes down to you have to kind of be careful about what you put out there, mm-hmm. and, and even if you do smoke, we I don't smoke by any means. For those that do, four twenty blazes up. That's you and your drug test. But when it comes down to what society, because the first place they're going to go when something happens, everybody knows the social media. This is not like it was fifteen, twenty years ago. You know what I'm saying? The, the most you can put up is your school picture because they get that from you know from the from from the police or from the education system. Now when they can type your name in into social media and pull up everything. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything, everything that you have posted, you kinda have to be careful about what you put out there. And and I'm not I don't I'm not going along with the stereotype of or or that they should not uh criminalize um, the uh, that uh, the black man, but when you put pictures out of you smoking weed, or holding up guns, it kind of plays into their hand. That's all I'm saying. And I I can agree with you, Sebastian, to to a certain extent because when you when you put certain things out, everybody knows that I I can be very uh, with my pictures, I can be very racy at times. So when when you put things out like that. What you get back is people being flirtatious, people saying things to you uh, that you deem sometimes inappropriate or, you know, uh, having this perception of you that you are this, you know, sex symbol, sex siren, whatever you want to call it. The same same applies for people who put things out, uh, you know, especially pictures or even statuses up 
and then uh, in turn get upset when HR managers, HR directors go on to Facebook, even for those who are in the pageant world know that some of the pageant promoters will go on to uh, your social media to see the types of things you, you post. So that is to be accepted. I mean, it, that's be, to be expected from uh, those who, uh, it, who seek to enlist you to be a part of their organization, their group, or whatever. Um, so I, don't, I have no problems with, you know, that. What it does, it, it, it forms a character issue. So I think in the Mike Brown case, part of what we were dealing with from the, 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 the law enforcement stand, uh, perspective is that they were trying to uh, justify an unjustifiable, in my opinion, I'm a former police officer, but, and, and I believe this homicide, I'll call it that, was an unjustified homicide. Uh, I don't believe that this officer uh, feared for his life at any point. And if he did fear for, for his life at any point, I believe that he was initially the aggressor, which at, at the point where an officer becomes an aggressor, he can no longer, he can no longer at that point claim to not be the aggressor, and that's law. And so I have an issue with uh, the step-by-step process of the Michael Brown case in itself. Some of the things that I don't think a lot of people, so if once we get all of the facts, there are going to be a lot of things that if Michael Brown, in fact, went for this officer's gun, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be upset if this case comes back where this, this officer, Darren Wilson, is not prosecuted. But there are some things right. that I've looked at from my experience and my research that if it does come back that way and they do find that the, the facts state that he did go for this officer's gun, this is going to be a – and I know this is going to hit hard, but this is going to be a justifiable shooting by an officer because so, there, sorry, are, so, there, are, there are constitutional – uh, precedents like the uh, Castle Doctrine and uh, the Supreme Court case Tennessee versus Garner, those things give precedent to uh, that, that type of law where that officer uh, felt that there was an imminent threat to his life, mm-hmm. and even not and, and, and past the imminent threat, the the law even uh, gives exception for if a a a, a perpetrator is attempting to flee. So this perpetrator could have done something, and at that point, if you look at what what Tennessee versus Garner says, if that person starts to flee, the officer has the right to use deadly force at that point. So there are a lot of things that we don't know about this case that once we find out the facts, once they lay the facts out, which in, in, in turn, we may not even find out the true facts because if we're dealing with systemic racism in Ferguson, we may not find out the true facts. That's just the bottom line. Officer Darren Wilson may walk and may not ever be prosecuted for a true homicide that he committed that day. Let me ask you this question. Um, you guys, do you think that if the tape had never surfaced of him walking out of the, the store with the cigarette, um, that you would have the majority of the black race upset about the situation that happened in Ferguson? Wait, ask that one more time. Do you think that if the tape had never surfaced of him walking out—excuse me—of him walking out of the store with a cigarette, um, would the majority of the black race still be upset about the situation that happened? Do you believe? I think. I think the. I think. The how can I put this? I think the lay, for the lack of words, I think the laymen in the black community, uh, which are those people like our, you know us who are not in 
uh, government or not in law, you know, in uh, the administrations of law enforcement and things of that nature, I think we may uh, have not been as upset uh, as far as a whole. I'm not talking about us individually, but I think the the lay people may not have been upset. But I think those who understand the law and those in in government who understand and, you know, those black people and those who are sympathizers who understand who are not black, I think they still would have been upset because they would have understood, regardless if this, this tape surfaced or not, there was an injustice that was perpetrated on that day. The tape made those who understand the law more upset because we saw it as a justification or a character attack on this young man who mm-hmm. was shot and killed mm-hmm. or murdered. So mm-hmm. I saw it personally as a character attack on him. I didn't see it as part of evidence of a case because it had nothing to nothing do with to the do case. With as a matter of fact, the police chief came out and said himself that the officer had no no uh, information that the guy he was stopping that was walking in the middle of the street was the same guy associated with the, the robbery at the store because the, the first call the officer got from the dispatcher was of a sick man in the street. So right, that exactly. was his response. The second 11, call that they received, 11.48, and then at 11.58, 10 minutes later, they received another call about the robbery, and it was an armed robbery. I mean, not an armed robbery. It was a petty robbery. They call them petty robberies, which mm-hmm. means there's no gun. So it didn't become uh, an aggravated robbery. So it wasn't armed, but it was aggravated because as he was robbing, he did hit the clerk or whatever. If he hit, pushed, whatever. It's still aggravated at that point. And mm-hmm. so uh, at that point, the officer had no idea what he was going. So then the justification is, oh, I stopped them because they were walking in the middle of the street, which in Ferguson, there may be a crime for walking in the middle of the street. Most officers don't just pull pull up and jump out and uh, open their doors on a per- two, two young black men because they're uh, walking in the middle of the street. That's a simple pass by, say, hey, guys, if y'all don't mind, can y'all step over to the sidewalk? There are cars. We don't want you guys to get hit or cause any danger or anything. So that's the ideal way that should have happened. But yeah, but I, I, I don't, that I don't think that's how it happened, right? Because um, right. I, think, I think if the officer would have approached them that way, hey, hey, guys, could you move on over to the sidewalk? You know, we want to make sure that you're not... They would have been fine. They would have got their ass over and walked on about their merry way. But I don't think the officer, you know, came at them like that. So um, let me let me ask you guys this, and then we'll move on. We'll take a, a quick break um, to hear from our sponsors, and um, we'll come back to something else. But I do want to finish this up a little bit. Um, as far as healing, because a healing needs to happen, not only in Ferguson, but um, just a healing period within um, the black community. You know, we, we've had the, 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 the shooting in Michael Brown in Ferguson. We've had the Trayvon Martin. Um, what was it, Jordan? We had the Jordan Davis. I mean, there's many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's many over the years. But how yeah. do we cultivate healing, not just in Ferguson, Missouri, um, but the black population as a whole? How do we start to cultivate the healing um, and allow people to understand what is going on and how we can start to be, um, I don't know, better people, I, 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 lack of a better term. Well, uh, uh, unfortunately, I, I want to tackle that because, unfortunately, I'm, okay. 
I'm always hopeful, but I'm not sure if that can never happen. Because in order for that to happen, we have to go years and years back. And number one, there can never be just an I'm sorry, in which it probably all it should take, but some sort of acknowledgement. To, I don't know what that acknowledgement will be. But say, for instance, when we went over there and we kicked them folks' asses in Kuwait, they get reparations now. Everybody over there is driving nice cars. I've been, trust me. That city is not. Right. You get what I'm saying? Jews, they get reparations for what happened to them. Indians or Native Americans, they get reparations for what right. happened to them. And so when, when people or our black leaders back in the day, such as Marcus Garvey and so forth, when they used to throw up the, the, the issue of reparations, people took that and they laughed at that. And to me, that is a slap in the face. Because for every wrong that America has done to someone, they've always taken the steps to make it right. Now, what they were supposed to do with our taking it and make it right, that's where the 40 acres and the mule came from, which most of us don't even realize the importance of that statement. Mm-hmm. That was what was promised to us to make. It was our sort of reparations. That never happened for a lot of mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of like it never happened. You kicked them out of slavery and basically said you're on your own, but you still dehumanized this race. You taught them, you taught them to hate themselves. You taught them to be inferior. You taught, them, you taught these people to be at the, the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, of the society that they were living in. And you mm-hmm. never once apologized for it, and let alone now no one would ever acknowledge it. And that's kind of like a rape victim. You can't tell a rape victim, oh, just forget that it ever happened to you and expect them to heal from it and move on in a positive manner. It's still going to always be something that's hunting hunting them, whether it's subconscious or consciously, they're always going to be hunted by this, and they can never truly move on until the issue is addressed and they face it head on. Do you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I agree. And so at this point, I feel like it has to come a point where there is a discussion. There is a national discussion, some sort of acknowledgement of what happened in our history, and at least an apology if there are not going to be any reparations for what happened. Because you can't expect the hurt people, uh, hurt people to move on in a positive manner when they're still really hurting. And although we're in different times now, so we don't realize we're hurting, so we really think we're okay and times have progressed. But that's a trick. That's a trick. That's why we still have these neighborhoods who are out here drug and We still have these thugs in the street. We still have everybody who want to be famous instead of getting an education. And like I said on my post earlier, we, we have President Barack Obama in the White House with Michelle, but we still have people aspiring to have relationships like Jocelyn and Stevie J. You know, we still have the Oprahs and the Tyler Perrys, but we still have our people out here trying to be real niggas and real bitches. So, no, and that's something that takes years to undo. And, unfortunately, there's no simple answer for it but acknowledgement. It starts with acknowledgement. And every discussion that we have about race relations doesn't mean we're claiming talking about somebody being a racist. Right. Exactly. Right. I want to right. make sure you know, that's we clear. We have to have a discussion. We have right. to have a discussion on race relations in America because don't nobody know what it's like to be black in America but blacks in America. Right. That's right. 
and whether and they can keep painting this story to themselves saying, oh, we're overreacting and everything is demand this and no, it's not that because I'm a very positive young, successful, on my way to even greater success man in America, but I still deal with those same issues every single mm-hmm. day. I recently mm-hmm. had to even change my office that I work in because of racism or race relations in the office that were unfair and unjust. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so it's like we got to stop saying that everybody who wants to talk about race and discuss race relations in America, oh, you're trying to call me racist, so we're just not going to discuss it. No, that's not the issue. We still have mm-hmm. something that needs to be addressed so we can begin to heal and move forward as a people. I'll say this. Um, I, I, I don't want to say I've ever, you know, had, you know, had someone attack me or, or, or was racist towards me or whatever. Um, you know, I lived in one of the racist parts of the country, which is South Carolina, but uh, I, I really didn't, I really didn't experience that up until. I, well, I don't even know who was racist, but when I was asked by the other black people about it, they were like, well, I don't know why, you know. Um, I believe that cop was being racist, but I was pulled over. Um, when was I pulled over? For the, my first time ever being pulled over by the cops, let me tell you, at 32 years old, being pulled over by the cops, and it's because I didn't have my tag on the front of my vehicle. I had it in my window. I was wrong for that uh, or whatever, but I was being late. So I got pulled over. And the first thing he asked me um, he actually told me about the tag or whatever, and I was like, okay, yeah, da, da. And then he was like, um, where are you going? You know, I'm like, why does where I'm going have anything to do with why you pulled me over? It's, it's 530, it's traffic, you know. I'm on my way home from work, here's my badge, da, 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 whatever. And he was like, oh, well, you don't have any, um, do you have any weapons in the car that I need to know about? And, again, I don't know proper police procedure. That's when, where, that may be where Del Rio can kind of enlighten me. But I felt like, really like, are you really asking me this? I'm dressed up, you know, not not a suit, but, you know, I'm dressed up pretty nice. And you're going to ask me, do I have any weapons in the car and where am I going? I mean, just give me the damn ticket and let me go. So, I mean, w- would you guys think that was racist of him or so, is that proper? is that proper protocol? So, Micah, I'll say... Under federal law, and I'll okay. say this, under federal law, uh, okay. you can be stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and once you're stopped, if you're stopped for whatever reason, of course, mm-hmm. the stop has to be justifiable first. So mm-hmm. the stop has, right. you have to have a broken tail light, or if you have uh, some type of exhaust, you know, problem, right. and they can see it coming from your car or your windshield, is sm- any of those things can cause a stop. And so mm-hmm. once the stop occurs, the officer has the right and has mm-hmm. a duty to ask for identification first. After mm-hmm. that, he can ask you to describe to him where you're going. He can ask that. Now, you can tell him what you want to tell him. Of course, most of us do that. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, you're, if I'm sure somebody's headed out to go over to their boyfriend to have sex, they're not about to tell right. the officer that, you know. So mm-hmm. you're gonna tell them whatever you, you know, what, whatever you want to tell them. But they, they, sure they, they do them. have the right. I'm sure you would, uh, Sebastian. But they do have the right to ask you, and it's just a feel, you know. They they call it a, a FIC. Um, I, I I forgot the actual words, but it's just like a field investigation uh, uh, inquiry they make, and they just can ask you certain questions. They ask you for mm-hmm. weapons in the car because mm-hmm. if they if they give you uh, give you a ticket. And mm-hmm. say, because most officers are writing tickets, I know how I was, I would be writing a ticket, 
while the dispatcher or NCIC is running your name. And right. so I'm writing your ticket, and I'm asking you, do you have any weapons in the car? Because most people, I'm just being totally honest with you, here in the mm. city that I've encountered, once I wrote that ticket and their name came back and a warrant popped up, first of mm-hmm. all, most of them knew they had warrants before we even started. So right. once that warrant pops up and you go to that car and you say, uh, I'm gonna, sir, I'm going to need you, uh, Mr. Whoever, I'm going to need you to step out of your vehicle, it's on and popping at that point. If you, if you come in, in, into the right person, it's, it's on and popping. They may not shoot at you, but we have to ask, about, as officers, you have to ask about weapons in the car. So I don't think that in itself, like those steps he took, was racist. Mm-hmm. But who knows his intentions? That's the right. thing. Right. So, so, so let's, say, let's, let's say it was a nice 40-year-old woman. Let's say it was my director, and she was driving down the street, and she got pulled mm-hmm. over. You know, and my, my director is probably like four feet 11, <laughs> maybe clearing that five. I don't right. know. I, I, I just don't think that the dialogue, I mean, it was nice toward the end. That was, you know, but... You know, I just don't. I don't think the dialogue was always the same with everybody. And and okay, I so think, you have you have other factors. You have other factors mm-hmm. playing in that. So mm-hmm. uh, some of the factors officers have to consider when using what the with the 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 law uh, describes as uh, officer discretion mm-hmm. is the height of a person, the weight of a person. Is that mm-hmm. person male or female? And I know mm-hmm. that sounds so. Uh, uh, prejudice to say, mm-hmm. but those are things that in the in the academies or throughout the country we are taught to 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 consider those things because a woman who is four eleven, no, mm-hmm. she may not seem like a threat at that time. So there's certain there's a certain approach I may take to her that I may not take to someone who is six four, me standing five eight. So I may not take someone who is is six four the same approach I would take with someone four eleven. That is not. Uh, a, and, and, and I try to tell the guys on the street sometimes, that is not a cowardice act. That is actually procedure that officers follow because of training. Okay. So it's not him being a coward. He's not going to talk to a guy who's 6'4", the way he talks to a guy who is 5'8". No, that's procedure. We're supposed to use that discretion because you already know what could possibly happen. I believe, personally, you should talk to everybody with the same uh, respect. But when it comes to that type of stuff, when it comes to weapons and things, yeah, she may mm-hmm. be four, she may be four eleven, but she may also be a four a woman who stands four eleven and is a criminal. So you you, right. you really have to weigh your options because it is a discretionary thing with police officers. Okay, well, I really hope that you know things um, turn around in Ferguson, Missouri. I hope that um, I know that I, the last I think is going to be in October when they're going to have the, yeah. the hearing with the grand jury and all of that. So I just yeah. encourage everyone to kind of listen out. And, you know, if once he goes to trial, you know, because with him going to the grand jury, it's going to determine if they go to trial. Is that correct? To trial, yes, sir. Right. So if he doesn't, we will reconvene. That's what I, I, I'm, I, I'm almost afraid, you know. I'm almost afraid if, if, he, if it comes back and, he, you know, they say, well, it's not enough evidence to, to say that he, you know, did that intentionally and this and the other, you know, okay, well, I guess we'll, um, we may see some more riots and stuff. I hope not, but knowing the people, I'm just going to say that. I, just, they, I it, think it, they're going to appease. I think they're going to appease, and, mm-hmm. uh, and the grand jury is going to allow it to go forth, but I think okay. where they're going to totally rape us, uh-huh. they're going to totally rape us in the trial. 
but they're mm-hmm. gonna let it go forth to appease the people of Ferguson because they don't want that same issue to happen with again, rioting right? and things to happen again. Yeah, they're gonna give them the trial, but they're gonna rape them in the trial because they, I mean, the the the, 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 the but, district attorney is not even he is not even the uh, 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 the prosecutor that needs to be on that case because he's already shown shown partiality in this case as as, as it's going forward. But what I would think as well, even with that. I don't. It, um, I think it's going to happen in the trial, but I think it's what's going to be the bigger issue is what they come back and charge him with. Right, that right, right, thing, right, right. It can come back as a lesser charge. Everybody say, right. "Well, they can charge him, charge him, charge him." Yeah, they may charge him, but they're not going to charge him with what you think they're going to charge him with. Right. They might not charge him with voluntary manslaughter um, or first degree. They may give him a lesser charge. Well, they can't get him with manslaughter at all. So the the only charges that they can get him with at this point. So most most DAs would go for second degree murder for police officers in this type of situation because it wasn't premeditated. So you can't get him with first degree murder. So most Mm -hmm. of them will go for second degree murder, and most of the time something like this will come all the way down from second degree murder to to something like negligent in no like negligent injuring, which only Mm -hmm. carries three year sentences in some states. Mm. And, but that also will only be like probably in a civil civil court, not even right. Like, federal, federal not even court. criminal, right? Yeah, I agree. Mm. Well, again, we'll see what happens. Thank you guys so very much for um, talking about the the, um, the Ferguson case. Um, if you guys can hold for me um, and my listening audience, we're going to take it just a quick break. And of course, you know, um, each week we have our grand gorgeous and gag segment with um, a featured makeup artist who was supposed to be on the line tonight. Uh, Chris McKinley, but he got a, a, a big break tonight, um, and I won't divulge those details, but uh, he's doing some great things out there in Atlanta, so he's doing that. But um, he did leave us with the Grand Gorgeous Gag Tip of the Week, and we have a few more sponsors, and we'll be right back. So just hold the line for me, guys. Hi, it's Chris McKinley with Pleasure Paint, and this is Grand Gorgeous and Gag. My tips today are centered around the ladies. Okay. So we all know the outcome of our beauty starts with our base. We want to moisturize and prime before every makeup application. Primer is the boost that enhances your makeup for a more flawless application and outcome. Eye primers and lip primers help in bringing out the best in your colors, all while improving the longevity of your makeup. And skin primers help to bring out the best in your foundation, as well as providing a smoother application. Hey, guys, I'd love to hear your feedback. You can find me at stylefeet.com forward slash pleasure paint. This has been your grand, gorgeous, and gag tip of the week. Hey, everybody. It's your time to be seen, to be heard, and to be known by the universe. The 2014 MBU program book is now accepting ads. Ad prices are $30 for a fourth page, $55 for a half page, $100 for a full page, or you can get a two-full-page spread for $150. For more information, you can contact me on Facebook, Neandre Bonet. The ad deadline is October 17th, so get your ads in and be seen, heard, and known by the universe. Hey there, everyone. This is your new Mr. Continental, 2015, Joey Taylor of Miami, Florida. And you're listening to The Talk with my gun friends. Thank you, Joey Taylor. Okay, guys, are we, are we here? Everybody here? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Hi. Okay. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> okay. So, so, so let's go to um, a little higher in the program. Um, we want to talk, well, I, I'll say this. On August 30th, a young man by the name of Henry Lee Jr. visiting Atlanta for Black Gay Pride 
attended a pool party sponsored by Wesapeni ATL promoter uh, Mario Harris. The party was held from about 5 p.m. that afternoon until 9 p.m. that night. And toward the end of the night, Henry's body was pulled from the pool. At that point, it was suspected that he had drowned. Based on reports, Henry was taken to an area hospital where he was at first being held just for observation because he was expected to pull through. But then a few days later, he passed away at Atlanta Medical South. Okay, so much has been said over the past week or so about Henry Lee's sudden death, okay? There was also a radio interview um, done shortly after his death by Jacob on his radio show, where the best friend who Henry came to Atlanta with and stayed with spoke about the tragic events and various people, you know, they called in who either were at the pool party or who were close friends to the now deceased. So to my guests, I am not here to badger the best friend, because you know I don't do that, or speak any ill will about him or the promoter or any other party for that matter. But it seems like slowly but surely so much has come to the surface that speaks to the character of those Henry Lee was associated with. Now let's also keep in mind that it is fact that Henry Lee, a person who isn't known to partake in drug use, had high levels of PCP in his system, and it's under investigation with the East Point Police Department where the Henry Lee was given PCP without his actual knowledge. Now, some people think that the community should let the police handle it, while others believe that we should speak up and out about the situation so that this doesn't go unnoticed or under the radar. Now, before I actually get everyone's point of view about the entire situation, I want to pinpoint Mr. Del Rio first, because I noticed that you spoke about it on Facebook, and I read verbatim. Every time I read a post about this young man who died in Atlanta last weekend, it caused my blood pressure to rise. Y'all are some messy, disrespectful, foolish punks. Even the ones who tried to act educated and classy have really been assholes over the incident. 20 minutes later, you posted, I'm curious. Young man not lost his life. Would y'all be making an issue out of it? If all the other things happened but no death occurred, I doubt which I doubt you know why, because y'all live in a culture of drugs and lawlessness, and it's okay until someone dies. And I'll end it, I'll end it there. So, Del Rio, we're pointing over yes, to sir. you. <laughs> While I understand why you began to rant, as you call it, about the situation and how people handled the situation, what was your true intent behind the posting, and what is your feeling now in regards to everything, the situation and, and, and everyone talking about it? Okay, so uh, it, it's it's no surprise to to no one, I'm sure, that uh, my rant on this topic in itself uh, was formed, formulated in the way that it was, because I it's the way that I post when something, um, something <laughs> uh, yeah, and and it's the way that I post, and everyone knows that most people who you know get bothered by they just kind of ignore me. Those who mm-hmm. Supported, they you know get in and get in there with me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I'm and I, and I've said this several times. The case in itself, I'm one mm-hmm. of those people who's uh, who agreed that this should be handled by the police department. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. issue, and and I promised my brother that I wouldn't get into the issue of the case because that I'm not going to say it's none of my concern because it's a lot of my concern, mm-hmm. but. 
the case in itself, once the facts come out, I don't right. mind coming on here, going on Oprah, wherever, and speaking about <laughs> it because I, I will be very analytical about the facts once I have them. Mm. My issue, my issue is that people are it can be so hypocritical when it comes to stuff like this because mm-hmm. I, I have an issue with the fact that uh, we, we have a death because of drugs, voluntary or involuntary, but we mm-hmm. have an issue because of drugs in someone's system. And drugs have been um, known to be rampant in the the community uh, before I ever was introduced to the community. It's nothing mm-hmm. new. When I was a police officer, before I was introduced to it, I I knew about the drugs in the community and the drug use in the community. So my thing is, why, why do we choose now? Why does it take someone's death to make mm-hmm. us speak about these issues? Mm-hmm. Or, 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 is it, or are there other underlying reasons why we're speaking about this issue as opposed to getting to the meat of the matter? And so mm-hmm. it frustrates me to see the assumptions and to see the, the, the chatter on Facebook and on, 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 on different social media about who did it, what they did, and things of that nature. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. And regardless of how much we uncover, and I'm not defending the best friend. I don't know him. I didn't mm-hmm. know Henry Lee. I don't know anything about the case. But mm-hmm. I just think that it, being hypocritical about this, especially those who are supposed to be leaders in this community, Mm-hmm. It's 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 uh, counterproductive to jump the gun and start with assumptions, and then all you're doing is inciting things to happen, i.e., what happened at the funeral. So some of those posts and some of those interviews and some of those things that are put out there into the the atmosphere incite mm-hmm. things like that. They incite mm-hmm. things. So what if it's found out? What if it's found and it comes to surface that this friend and I'm I'm about to be very candid right now. All right. Okay. That this friend had nothing to do with this, mm-hmm. and that in fact Henry actually knew. Because this is the thing about PCP. Because I worked in narcotics for a while. This is the thing about PCP. PCP can be in, ingested, and so mm-hmm. it can be. It, you can you can get it in pill form. You can get it in powder form, or you can get it in liquid form and shoot it up. And right. each one of those different forms has a different reaction time. So if it was put in a, in, in a pill form and put in his drink, that would have happened within three to five minutes. He would have had a reaction time within three to five minutes. Mm-hmm. If, it was, if it was smoked through a marijuana joint or a marijuana cigarette, it, can, it, can, it could be 30, 30 minutes to an hour. So they all have different reaction times. So we don't mm-hmm. know. And doctors at the moment with preliminary toxicology reports cannot tell what what form the PCP was in. And there are some mm-hmm. doctors that say that you can't tell what form it's in regardless once toxicology reports are done. Mm-hmm. So my thing is this, when we when we sit here and we assume and we we put all these things out into the atmosphere, the people who are putting them out into the atmosphere, they're not going to be mad enough to come back on social media and say, I'm sorry that I caused and I incited this riot or I caused and I incited this situation to happen at this mm-hmm. funeral. They're not going to do that. So my right. thing is, let's all just keep our mouths closed concerning the case itself 
and wait and let justice do its part. It's okay for you to exercise your freedom of speech. Nobody's telling anyone to shut up, don't say anything. But when Mm -hmm. you do that, be very wise, just like Sebastian was saying earlier. Be very wise in your choice of words and your your methodology when you're out there putting this stuff out into the atmosphere. That's what what I was saying through my post. It didn't come across that way because I was angry when I read some of the stuff that I read and some of the inboxes that I got, like the inbox that I got yesterday. You didn't read this, but the inbox I got yesterday, this person sending me all of this evidence on the case because he knew I was going to be on your show. And I'm like, dude, don't send me nothing like that. I don't care about the evidence. I'm not the the investigating officer. I can't do nothing about this case. All I can do is wait for the facts, and then we'll all analyze, and we'll, we, we hope that we can help with healing and help with reconciliation. But if you're one of the leaders in the community and you're putting this dirt and this trash out there into the, the community, guess what? Both the, the two sides of this, and I hate to say it like that, but it's the truth, the two sides of this, they're not going to look at you as a leader when it's time for reconciliation because you've already sown discord in the community. So they're not going to look at you and say, uh, yeah, his word is valid because you've already put out lies before because you assumed. So that was my issue. My issue is not the case itself. My issue is the hypocrisy from some of our leaders in the community, quote, unquote. What, what I, and this is going to sound kind of backwards from what I said from the previous conversation. Okay. Now, and, this, and this is Sebastian, correct? Yeah, you don't know my voice? Well, you need to let the audience know that. I well, you know, know Cam sounds like a man. That's a lady on the phone. No, I'm joking. Oh, 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 oh. And, I, and I'll be that. I'll be that. No tea, no shade. But when I was teaching elementary school, and like I said, this is going to sound completely backwards from what I said before, so I'm not switching face. Taught elementary school. The kids always should come running tail. He did, he did, he did. He said, he said, he said. Mm-hmm. My thing to this is this. If it does not concern you, don't tell me about it. If he didn't come hit you, if he didn't take anything of yours, if the person that did it or the person that had an issue with it, if they didn't have an issue with it and they didn't say anything, don't bring it to me. And I'm saying that to say this. All the stuff that is going on, if you, don't have, if, if you were not in the vicinity, if you didn't see what was going on, why speak about it? Because the same thing that, that Del Rio just said, when you're putting this shit out there, there are some dumb bitches that will take what you say for base value and run and spread it all over town. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's just what it is. So you're, you're, you're putting, if he did take it voluntarily or if he didn't take it voluntarily, uh, voluntarily you don't know. You weren't there. You're just guessing. And there's the whole thing about assuming. When you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. And for some of y'all slow bitches, A-S-S-U-M-E spells assume, honey. Make an ass out of U-M-E. But anyway, um, that's, that, that's all I'm saying. But my, 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 my issue is, even past that, is that you have a man that is 21 years old, and if I'm not mistaken, he's like 6'1". 6'5". Six six, he's 6'5". Okay, so he's my height. I can't fathom of how no one saw this young man in the pool. That's, that's, that's where I'm getting lost at. Mm-hmm. Michael, you see my statue. Um, Cam, everybody on this panel, know, they know I'm a big bitch. So that's like me going in the pool. Whatever reason, drowning or being, and you, te- and you tell somebody that you did not see me in the pool. I am not small. 
I am not petite. I am not by any any fashion uh, to where I can be missed. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So this is not like oh he's out at, you know at the hotel and he, he's by himself. He was at a function with other you know other people. I don't understand how that was missed. And if you see somebody underwater for that amount of, that, that that amount of time, nothing sparked any one of these bitches to say okay some ain't right here. Um, let me figure out what's going on. That's where my issue lies. Well, I, I know for, um, you know, people were saying, you know, 15 minutes, you know, that was the starter. 15 minutes he was underwater, this, that, and the other. Um, and then, you know, slowly but surely that, that time going to go down. People, you know, was caught. I, you know, I had to go and, like, I think I had came from my, I was still on my continental high, so I was asleep, you know, and I, I had heard about it, but I, I wasn't really, you know, really engulfed or really thinking about it at that point just yet. Because I'm, I'm trying to come back. I'm trying to enjoy the rest of my vacation, sleep, whatever, whatever. And someone said, you know, I'm surprised that you're not talking about this. And I'm like, oh, well, tell me what's going on. All I knew is someone drowned. That's all I knew. I didn't know anything else. And then so, you know, of course I started reading and, you know, getting some more information and, and reading certain things or whatever. And then, of course, I listened to the interview um, that happened with on Jacob's show. And I'm not here to bash that show or anything of that nature. Um, I just... I will say I think that maybe things were done too fast, you know, with that, you know, yeah. um, because yeah. because now that because now that is going to be used as evidence, I'm sure yeah. if yeah. There, if there's a case that comes up, you know, I watch enough 48 Hours Mystery, First 48, Snap, all that. I I watch that day in and day out, so I know that that is going to be a part if it, if it does. They say hey, it's a homicide. It's going to be a part of um a part of the the case, but um. I, I I know that if someone was underwater for 15 minutes, baby, they're going to be dead, you know. And so, right. eventually, when when because nobody was no, I, I think, um, and I'm not standing on the defense for anyone, but I think that the community or certain people in the community was a little outraged because nobody was talking about it at that point. And it went it went some days before the um the newspapers and the blogs and you know all that we're starting to, in the Georgia voice before they really started to like talk about what had happened you know and I, I think that was because they didn't know if he drowned or you know you know they didn't know what was the circumstances surrounding how this young man has passed on but for per the report you know he was taken to the hospital and it was it was said or um, to be known that he, he was possibly going to be able to live. He was taken to the hospital for observation overnight, you know, and then, you know, slowly, you know, he, he, he passed away. Um, I think that when, when, if I want to go back to the Rio, um, I get it. I get why you say, well, why now? Well, why this, why? I, I totally get your statement, um, but I think, that can go. That can be spoken to about a lot of things, and I think sometimes it takes a little shaking. It takes something to happen um, for us to to think about some things. And I think that with with that, that was a wake up call. Because um, I think in this day and age, we need wake up calls like no other. Because people are so worried about you know. The, I say I, I said something earlier. I think it was yesterday. People are worried about the wrong things. And, and sadly, right. it took the death of Henry to reevaluate. Because I think, I know for me, you know, I, I don't do drugs. I ain't never did 
no hard drive. I mean, I did weed once or twice. I mean, you know, when I was 27, tried it. It wasn't for me, you know. But I did it. I mean, this is, you know, I, I don't mind saying that. But I think for everyone, it, it or for some, it allowed, it allowed us to look within ourselves, to reevaluate our lives, reevaluate who we associate ourselves with, and for those who occasionally partake in those extracurricular drugs, to think what could possibly happen in the event they took or, you know, a little too much of a certain drug. So I think for some, you know, just like the Jordan Davis and, the, and especially Michael Brown's case, it, it, it was a wake-up call for us to kind of, you know, let's, let's be alert. Let, let's, let's think about, let's talk about the real issues. And for people going to pride and, and, and things of that nature, it's like, okay, let me reevaluate what I'm doing here. You know, and next time I go out, I'm not leaving my drink down because, you know, you forget. I'm not putting my drink down. I'm not doing this. If that even happened or if it didn't happen, it's still going to force people to rethink, you know, or, or just reevaluate their situation, their surroundings, and their friends. So that, that, that's what when, I know I'm, I'm doing for myself. You know, even though I don't really do a lot, but, you know, I, I think for me it was, and for a lot of people, it was, now it's time for us to reevaluate ourselves. And, you know, and, and I'll speak on and, and I know somebody wants to chime in, but I'll, I'll say this. I haven't attended a Pride in Atlanta in 10 years. 2004 was the last Pride I attended. Um, in Atlanta, um, I like to party. I like to hang out when I when I when I get in the mood. But I, I'll tell you no before I give you a yes when it comes down to going out. But I also think that with pride, if we're going to have a pride in Atlanta and we're going to call it Black Gay Pride, and it's you know you got to go back to what the reason is behind the pride. It's to be prideful of us being gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer individuals, right? You right. know, and, and, and celebrating that first and foremost. Um, we also need to, if we're, and, and I'm speaking totally on Atlanta because I've now experienced DC Pride. I think what three times, three times now, um, and I've experienced Philadelphia's Pride um, this year. Totally different atmosphere than Atlanta. Totally different atmosphere, and they they are more so involved in you know getting. If we're going to call it Black Gay Pride, we're going to put you guys in the seminars. We're going to have different seminars, and that's what I made sure I did at Philly Black Pride. I kind of had no choice but because, uh, you know, my, my boyfriend, you know, he was over it at all and stuff like that. But, you know, I was forced to, to really get into that side of Pride and what it meant. And then with, with um, uh, DC's Pride, I was able to go. I stayed in the hotel, even though I lived in the area. I stayed in the, in the hotel, went to the seminars, sat in, you know, all that kind of type of stuff. If Atlanta, if you're going to have that now, since all this stuff has happened, you know, whether it was voluntary or involuntary, you guys need to really reevaluate your pride and get it on the on, on the links of the other prides and kind of put you know some education back into it and, and let people know exactly what it's all about. Yes, you have the nightlife at night, but during the daytime, learn some things. You know, sit in on some seminars, have some discussions. You know, have and, and that's what I'm going to actually try to do for my show next but year. They, but so go ahead. But the thing about Atlanta, just saying, they do have those things at Atlanta Pride. Personally, it just depends on what you're going to pride for if you yeah, participate yeah. in those things. Because at the host hotels, they have mm-hmm. seminars, they have breakout sessions, all those things too. But most people don't investigate those. Exactly. Things. Not even, not even, not even investigate, Cameron. They don't even advertise and promote it the way they should. First and foremost, I know they have them. I know that they have them. Well, but they don't even promote them the way that they should. Then you have promoters who don't even who are. Trying to come together, but not trying to, you know, not coming together 
that it, it's expensive and things that you could you could get to spark people's interest to go to the to go to these seminars, but Atlanta, I know, is one of the ones that people just really, they just rather go to the, to the park or they just rather go. But Micah, Micah, I think, I think um, it, it, that comes back, that mm-hmm. comes back to personal, that comes back to personal responsibility, honestly, um, just like Cam was saying, because uh, no one has to advertise how many parties are going on in ATL. People will go and find them. They will call. They will ask to find those parties. So mm-hmm. my thing is this. Just as people will do that, people have to take the initiative to go out and, 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 and be, uh, you know, assertive and find out where those things are. But and, most and, people are not, the, the honest truth is most people are not interested. If, if we want to just be raw about this, well, well, most let me people are not saying, interested I, in that I, part. I, I get it. So, but let me – I get that. I'm going to stop you there. Okay, but it goes back to community, and it was, it's, it's far more than pride at this point. You know, we have mm-hmm. to stop act, acting as individuals. We, right. you know, as you guys say, we, we, we have to take accountability for, for – like you said, Derry, we have to take accountability for certain things or whatever when we go out here, this and the other. Okay, well, now it's time for us to take accountability for our brotherhood. You know, if I'm right. going to a pride and I know that I'm into these seminars now, you know, I, 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 I wasn't at first because that wasn't my thing, you know. Now I am, you know, now that I've been made aware of them and I sat in on these things. So when I go, guess what? The people that's in my room, my friends that came from all over, they're in my room, but we together, guess what? Okay, we don't hang out at night. But from 12 to, to 1, we're going to go here. From 2 to 3, we're going to go here. And then we're going to do whatever we want to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think right. I, just, I, I can't not continue to walk at this day and age in 2014. I cannot continue to walk as an individual in life, period. I have to be able to start bringing people along because guess what? When I bring Cam along and I bring Sebastian along, guess what? They're going to be inclined because they're going to be so wild by what they sat on. Next year when they bring somebody, it's not about just going to the going to the parties and going to the park and, and the pool parties. It's also let's at least go to one seminar. Let's go to one, you know, breakout session or whatever. You know, so right. we have to right. work. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, go ahead. I, go ahead, Michael. Oh, no, no, I, I'm just saying, you know, I, I get, you know, I, I think at this point, if, if we all, and that doesn't even have to be about, you know, being LGBTQ and all that, if we all continuously walk as individuals, it will be the demise of human mankind. I'm sorry. You know, we have to really well, start. Okay, now you want to cut me off, Sebastian? No, girl. I thought you was done, bitch. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Sebastian. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Sugar Plum. Okay. Oh, no, you're fine. This is what I'm saying. I have attended many of Atlanta Prides. I started going to Pride when I was 17. And I'm going to play devil's advocate. Okay. Don't do that. Don't do that. You will not judge me tonight. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, I attended a Pride started at 17. You have to look at the market. I agree with you, Michael, as far as the diversity in the event. I remember years ago when Atlanta Pride was solely done by In the Life ATL. They were, mm-hmm. they were the, the yeah. organization that did all of Pride. Mm-hmm. For some reason, years ago, they kind of fell off, and everybody started doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Atlanta has no unified mm-hmm. body when it comes down to Pride. There is no unified organization like it used to be to say, these are the official clubs, these are the official events. 
Like mm-hmm. you said, one promoter's doing their own thing, one promoter's doing their own thing, and they mm-hmm. refuse to come together. Now, I'm not from Atlanta, but I've seen a many on Facebook, a many battles between promoters and promoters because somebody had this club and they changed the name to this club and now they want to beat you on the fight. It's just too much. Mm-hmm. But there, there's no unification within Atlanta. Now, on the plus side, when I was young, baby, I wasn't spending no seminars. And I'm just telling you the goddamn honest truth. Bitch, I was coming to Atlanta to let loose, find some dick, and have a good time. Straight point, and that's just what it was. So I think as we grow in life, as we grow in maturity, we start looking out for other things. I went to Atlanta last year only because I hosted an event. Before mm-hmm. that, I had been to Atlanta Pride, and I know in about six, mm-hmm. seven years, if not longer, because to me, I'll be 34 next month. Atlanta is very young. Atlanta has nothing for me, especially doing Pride. So I'm not going to come down there to waste my money to see all these young kids where I feel like the old fucking man in the club. That's just right. my person, you know, how I feel. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I can see both sides of it, but mm-hmm. I would agree that whomever it may be, if it's in the life ATL or whomever, they do need to promote it. I agree with, you know, the real said that you have to search out for it, but if I don't know those events exist, how am I going to know to look for it? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I've been to Sizzle. I've, I'm, a, I'm an avid Sizzle. I've been to Sizzle for about 15 years. Shout out to the White Tower. I love you to death. But he is the organizer of that. So he has, he has his nighttime event, he has his daytime event, and he does. He has his health fairs. He has open discussions. He has his panel discussions. He has the, I've been to New York Pride from where I'm from. They have the same thing up there with Fire Island. They have the daytime events, and they also have the breakfast. It's just seems to be now in Atlanta, all they care about is clubs and fucking. If that's yeah. what you get into, by all means, baby, get your nut, bitch. I am not the one to judge. But when it comes down to the celebration of pride, what right. it stands for, the Stonewall uh, Revolution, right. of Pete Johnson, everybody else, a small riot, thank you, um, they don't understand that. You know what I'm saying? They don't right. understand why we are, how we are today, what's not what it was then. And so we're celebrating where we come from as a people, as the LGBTQ people, and they don't understand it. They just say, okay, bitch, I'm about to turn up. I got my leather pants. My hair is faded, bitch. They are not going to have me tonight. And that's all they care about. But I do think right. as they get older, hopefully, because I didn't see some old bitches that still doing the same motherfucking thing, but mm-hmm. hopefully as they get older, they will get that sense of self, that sense of worth, that sense of responsibility. Like you said, I can't live by myself. It is a community effort. So that's right. all I'm saying. Yeah, and, and what, I, what I will say that I do appreciate when I'm going to Philly and especially D.C.'s Pride is the fact that um, I was able to see the older men out there, and I'm saying like 40 and 50 years old, you know, at the meet and greets and, you know, at the seminars and, and things, and just, you know, just just engaging in conversation. And I'm, I may talk a lot on here, but when I'm out in public, I really don't, I'm, I'm trying my very best to, to start engaging, you know. I'm more I'm an observer. I'm going to observe you first before I start talking to you, but I enjoyed seeing older men, older gay men, and that was like something that I can, you know, look look to like, okay. You know, they are yes, here. But again, I saw older men, and it wasn't, you know, maybe you know, the thirties, you know, our our age. You know, I saw saw us out there, but you know, that was a celebration for me and all in itself. Like, okay, you know, they get it, you know. But the people that need to get it aren't, you know. And then, then not our happened? age. I'm twenty, so I'm different. Oh, girl, child, bitch, <laughs> fuck! <laughs> I can't even get it out. You ain't nobody twenty. But um, again, I just I just want to see things um 
things lighten up for, for Atlanta because um, there's so much that, that can be done. And, that's you know, like you entice a, a rat, you know, or, or a mouse with cheese on a little thing, you know, you can entice. There's different ways that you can start to reel people in or whatever. Even if you have a day party and interrupt it for 30 minutes and have some type of session or someone, you know, whatever, there's little things that can be done because I get it. When you're young, you don't want to go sit down and listen to somebody speak or whatever. That's, that's your perception before you get there. But then once you get there, it's like, okay, well, it wasn't, you know, so bad after all. So I just wish that, you know, my hope for Atlanta is that they really come together and because they are under the umbrella of the Black Gay Pride, um, that they do come together and, and make something happen for next year and get more people involved. Will I be At there? the end of the day, uh, what, Pavlov. Not? <laughs> you said what? At the end of the day, Pavlov's uh, theory of classical conditioning will never lead us wrong. So we could always try that if we want to lure lure younger people into seminars. Yeah. So can you know so, we can and, offer something you know in exchange for their presence. So it works. And and again, and what I'm gonna say. Oh, okay, who's this? Oh. That's the best. All I was going to say, ain't nothing, ain't nothing sexier than an educated older man. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that. And, again, this show is, um, you know, dedicated to the life of, of Henry Lee Jr. And, it's, you know, I, I know that um, I think his cousin or one of his friends were listening. So um, we just, you know, continue to lift the family up in prayer, you know, with the sudden loss. And um, we just, we're going to be sitting here waiting for things to come out in regards to um, what, what truly happened um, if it wasn't, you know, just voluntarily. So let's go to, we have about 30 minutes left, so let's go to social media really quickly um, because you guys talked about it, so I want to bring that up. Um, and uh, the question is, uh, and once uh, I'm going to give you a question. You're going to say yes or no, and then when you give your yes or your no, I need you to give a response to it. Um, so our social networking sites, generally beneficial to your way of life? Are social networking sites generally beneficial to, excuse me, not your, our way of life? So are social networking sites generally beneficial to our way of life? Cameron, yes or no, and explain your answer, please. Yes and no. Can I say that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so yes and no. Okay, now give me your, give me your, your, support your answer. Okay, is it beneficial to my life per se? No. It doesn't make or break me. It definitely doesn't enhance my academic life, my career goals, or anything like that. So for me, it has to be a no. For others, yes. Um, some people become known off social media. Some people actually develop a personality that they don't have in real life on person on social media. Some people, mm-hmm. like, this is how some people kind of make their careers or become self-made because of social media. Social media. So that's why I have to say yes and no. Thank you so very much. And um, Del Rio? Is it beneficial? Um, beneficial think, uh, to our me, way of life. Mm-hmm. Okay, for me personally, I think it, it uh, contributes to a, a part of me uh, okay. uh, that's not able to be seen, to be heard, to be reached uh, from those who don't come into day-to-day interactions with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think it does. Uh, it is beneficial if you use it for that reason. Uh, it can be, uh, though, a curse to uh, some. But I think it is beneficial to us uh, if we use it to, for the right reasons. Okay. And um, the Sebastian Alexander Bonet. 
why do you do everybody short name and you got to do my full name? But, okay, <laughs> I prefer um, I agree with both. You know, for me, um, it is beneficial. Uh, for me, my degree is in theater performance. Um, and so I like entertaining. I like acting, and I like all of that good stuff. So when I'm not on stage, my YouTube blog and all that good stuff gives me the opportunity to express myself as tangently as I want to. And it, it has um, – invoked, I guess, notoriety, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. I've been places where people are like, they knew who I was based off of things that I've talked about on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side, it can be detrimental for what you use for. Some people are just messy. They're going to mm-hmm. always be messy, and that's what they're going to be. And so everything that they talk about is always about mess. So it can be a blessing as well as a curse, depending on, you know, what you use it for. So same thing. Now, 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 I'm going to read a yes response and a no response, okay? And I, want, I really want your opinion on the no response, but here's the yes response. The yes response was um, social networking sites increase social interaction and, connect, and interaction and connections. Social networking sites have a beneficial effect on our way of life. They increase our social interaction and give us more ways to make social connections. As long as the individual remembers and accepts that a decrease in privacy comes with that increased social interaction, then it is a benefit. It stops being a benefit when people forget about the decrease in privacy and do things through social networking sites that they may not want everyone else to see. I think we kind of all talked about that. Okay? So everybody can agree on that, right? Agreed. Okay. So here's a note. Mm. Well, here's, okay. <laughs> okay. Here's a note. Um, it's a little long, but I'm going to read it as fast as I can. Nope. It contributes to a degraded, narcissistic haven for a big brother state society. However, can at times be used in a positive manner. As a young man of the younger generation, I'm looking around and seeing that people are becoming so damn zombified when out and about. People, as a general rule of thumb, now find it rather hard to communicate with one another. Far too many people seem to prefer having their heads stuck into their phones tweeting or Facebooking. And furthermore, I also feel that the introduction of social networking sites has created a massive shift in the defining of the term socialite. I personally pride myself on being a massively social person. While I see and hear Facebook, Twitter users users saying that it is because they're the socialites of today that they use these social media mediums, I just don't understand the logic behind the, oh, well, by sitting at my PC screen phone and chatting to my acquaintance from 3,000 miles across the globe in Pakistan, who is most probably trying to stalk me because I have a few pics revealing my Babylons, which I think is their breath, and I'm being more sociable than perhaps using Facebook as a medium for arranging a night out clubbing or a trip to the cinema with my actual friends and family. Of course, this is a rather exaggerated, Worryingly not so at times. Example, but the point to my argument is there are is there and also that there are people who do know how to use networking sites in a more responsible and truly social way. Last but not least, all of the near I believe one billion people actively using Facebook and other sites appear to all be blissfully ignorant of the fact that in the grand scheme of things, they are mer- merely signing their rights away to the state. Networking sites are being used as mediums by the state, regardless of what country you're from, to actively pursue the big brother state endeavor. A 
um, of Pigree bankers, war criminal leaders, and a merry band of other unholy alliances that simply wish to soak up as much asset from the people, quote-unquote, as they can. I will not go on, in, go on into any more detail on the subject. Feel free to catch me out as conspiracy theorists. The proof will be in the pudding, as they say. So that was long, but I definitely get what he's saying. So hmm. did anyone want to want to comment or chime in on, on to what this young man said? I, the, um, the Big Brother Space Society? Big Brother can only be what you allow it to be. And that goes back to what you're putting on Facebook. Now, when mm-hmm. you find your signature, when you do your status, that I just got my back broke or whatever, you know, sometimes I put that out there, um, you can't be mad if the government comes back and says, okay, whatever, whatever. Or mm-hmm. if you have pictures of you smoking or whatever and your employer sees that and you know they have a, a, uh, no, in, um, a very strict drug policy. You know what I'm saying? So you mm-hmm. can't be mad because they did not type that for you. You consciously put whatever you put out there. So I don't buy that whole big rubber theory because you put it out there. No one made you. They didn't twist your arm. Now, what I can say is that we are a very socially unsociable people, if that makes sense. We don't know how to communicate face-to-face anymore. Everything is done by IM or tweets or Instagram. Check me on my Instagram. Follow me here. Bitch, I don't want to follow you. Let me talk to you face-to-face. You know, that's my whole thing. I think we're coming – I think there's a generational break because for everybody my age, including Del Rio – in um, older, uh, we know how to communicate. We know we mm-hmm. we know what it was like before there was a Facebook. You know what I'm saying? We know if the internet goes down, we know about uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. We know we know how to go back to the car catalog. You get what I'm saying? This new generation, that's all they have to depend on. This is all they know. So I mm-hmm. think that's where the, the 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 issue is because this is how they are brought up. They're brought up in a 30-second standpoint or a 16-second standpoint. People may wonder why, you know, Instagram videos are only 16 seconds. We are a very hidden and quitted society. We want to get all the information that we can in the least amount of time. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, you know, and when it's time to go out on that date, that's the one thing I cannot stand. If I go out on a date, Bitch, put your phone in your motherfucking pocket, put it on the table, put it face down, because I'm here to interact with you. I don't need you texting and tweeting and all that. That irks the shit now, out me, of me. And I'm just let like. Me you, let me tell you now. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm probably going to get backlash for this, and I am prepared for it. Um, I'm going to leave the name yeah, out. It's a Kente lash. But, but. but I, I would say that that is something that um, irks me when out on a date, you know, with anyone, your boyfriend, your friends, or whoever. And I had that happen to me back in May. And it was like, we're at a movie, watching the movies, but you're on the phone on Facebook and this and the other. And, I, you know, you kind of need it, you know, because I was, I, was I, 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 I don't come from, like, we done spent $50 <laughs> to go see this movie. <laughs> The last thing I want to do is I'm sitting here phone powered off in my pocket and, and, and you Facebook and tweeting and Instagram and stuff like that, you know. And that even goes to my friends. Like, we're not going to have – not, we're not going to go out and have a, a, a dinner date or go to the movies or do something together and everybody's in their damn phone. I don't want to go to a club and, and try to try, attempt to interact with people and have a good time when all of us are on Facebook updating, taking pictures. And, like, is that is – that, we can all do that from home. You know what I'm saying? So can so, I ask a question about that? 
Can I ask a yeah. question about that? Because yeah. I, 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 am a, I am a social media person, and anyone okay. who knows me know how I am. So my question is this. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you are dating or if you have friends who are, who are that way, I'm one of those people who, who is that way. But just like Sebastian was saying, uh, to the credit of something he said, that uh, the older generation knows how to – we know how uh, – I'm not going to say the old because I'm not old. We are part of the same generation, people. Okay, okay. No, everyone knows I'm 35. That's fine, Sebastian. I'm cool with that. But what I'm saying is the, the, the older generation, we know how to communicate regardless of where. You, you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So my thing is this. Mm-hmm. I don't have an issue being with my friends. Now, a date would be different. And it, 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 it depends on where we are. So the venue matters. Uh, it depends on the level of engage, personal engagement the two of us have to have in that venue. So if we're at a basketball game or a football game, I don't have a problem with something like that. If you're sitting next to me and you you may be taking pictures and then posting it to Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Wait, Move wait, on. wait. Let's, how is that different? No, that you're out. If, if you're at a ball game, right, you're at a football game or something, like that, that is different from being in an intimate setting. If you're in an intimate no, setting, we, we, we're addressing dates. We were addressing a date. So and, and that can be yeah. a date. A football no, game can well, be a date. Okay. The problem, that I, the problem that I'm talking about is, or, or the situation I'm talking about is we're at a movie, okay? We, we, okay. We got okay. All dressed, well, I get you. We got all dressed up, Okay. Right. And we could have just went and watched the movie on 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 demand and paid four ninety nine. <laughs> but but instead right. got in the car. That's gas. We we park. That may be a parking. You know, got to pay for that too. Then you go in. And you got to pay eleven to twelve dollars per ticket. Then you go and you want to get a little drink, a little something to eat or whatever. Okay, we've already right. spent about my dollars. So you telling me it's okay that we're in a the movie theater and here we go. Just tweeting away the whole damn time? No, no I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that's okay. I was just giving different. I was giving different scenarios. First of all, and then second of all, is is it too much to ask to norm those things? So you may assume that anybody or everybody who's of a certain age should automatically do that stuff because you do it. So is it is it is it like unacceptable? to norm that with that person before you even going out. Look, we're going on a date. Look, I'm I'm one of those sticklers. I don't like people like, you know, I don't talk mm-hmm. on the phone. I don't text. I don't get on social media uh-uh. when I'm on dates. Uh-huh. I'm let, wait, let me finish. Let me finish and y'all can attest. But my thing is I'm this type of person, whatever, and you norm that with that person so that when you get out on that date, you wouldn't have that issue. No, you shouldn't have to say that to a person. But there are certain people you just may have to say that to, and if you're going on a date with them, it may be that type of situation. Is that totally unacceptable to say, look, man, I'm not, you know, into that social media while I'm on dates. This is an intimate setting. We should have each other's attention. Mm -hmm. So what would be wrong with that? If you, you're experiencing that, especially if this is someone you're dating, not just mm-hmm. going out on a date with someone, this is someone you're dating. You set the norms when you're dating someone, and then, then you have a boundary there, and then we don't cross those boundaries. And, and, of course, if we start crossing those boundaries, then we have to start addressing that stuff. Because I'm India, kind of partially going through some of that now, and, 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 and uh, to the credit of this conversation, I'm the one 
uh, getting the backlash because sometimes I'm, uh, more, you know, the social media person, and I have to kind of back up off of that, you know, to engage more into, uh, you know, the situation that I'm in. So that's it. I don't know. Uh, uh, girl, okay. If it's the first date, we'll have that call. I'm not going to tell you like a child okay, we're going to the movies. I need you to put your phone away. As my mama would say, don't touch these white people shit when you go in the store. You know, That's not I'm the not way the conversation you. is going to go, go to that. But, 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 you're too but, adult. No. You're not going to talk to them like that. But no, but I'm just saying this. I'm not going to give that, fourth one, that, that conversation before we go out. Now, if we're on our first date and I see that this is what he is going to do, I'll mm-hmm. stop it in the date and say, hey, Okay, so so what you're saying right now, Sebastian, goes all the way back to the conversation we just had and to to my principle behind waiting until things happen to address them instead of making sure you address those things before they take place. No, 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 no. No, no, but that's, no, no, that's, 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 in this situation, it's completely different. Because for me, I would know, I would like to see what he will do before I say anything. Now, this is dating after. We're not talking about uh, uh, what we were talking about back then. This is like, let me see how mature this man is. Mm-hmm. He says he's mature. Age is not, mm-hmm. it's not a factor, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever. Let me see how mature he is. So but I'm not going to measure his, no, no, no. you still can measure his hold maturity on, on. level by seeing it and then what, what no, his response but, is no, no, to you no, no. will give you his maturity level. Well, no, but no, I'm not going to give, it's almost like not, not, giving you a heads up like a pop quiz, but that's kind of what it is. I'm going to go out with you. If the vibe is good, if you're doing right, that would get you a second date. Because if you go out with somebody and the vibe ain't right, or they just completely annoying you, why in the fuck would you go out with them again? So I'm not going to give you that pre-warning to say, this is what I expect. This is, what, this is how I roll. Because I'm not getting your authentic you. Now, your authentic you may be fine for you, but it may not be fine for me. So once I see it out and about, and all you're talking about is, Text, 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 or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. I can say right then on the date, hey, we can be good girlfriends, but uh, this ain't going to happen. Or, you know, or I can say, hey, this, ain't, this is not how I roll. Now, if he receives it and understands it, and we can progress from there, fine. But if we should happen to go out again and the same shit happens again, well, girl, I done told you the first time, this ain't how I roll, and we go out again. I give you the benefit of the doubt. And we go out again, and you do the same shit, baby. No, insanity is doing the exact same thing and expecting different motherfucking uh, results. Uh-uh. Now, but I was Cam- talking about continually. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Go ahead, uh, Cameron. Cameron, are you still here, baby? <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm here. I'm just. <laughs> You're just listening. Okay. You know, you know me. I barely answer my phone or return text or call, so I'm not going to be the one that's on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll, I'll, I'm not say, the one that's on my phone at a date anyway. Right, <laughs> right. I, I'll say this because I understand where Daria was coming from um, when he was when he was uh, challenging uh, Sebastian in regards to you know you 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 wait for things to happen. But also, Daria, I don't think, and, and I understand that because I, I don't believe that because relationships was a part or is a part of our talk, and maybe we'll get to it. But um, I understand when, when you're dating and you're in that process and you get to know this person. Of course, you know, as you go on, you, you say what you don't like, what you like, this, that, blah, 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 blah. But who wants to give a long laundry list of things that 
you don't like, you do like, you may not like. You know, no, nobody wants to do that because, of course, that then can run a person off. I know it's going to damn, it'll run me, run me crazy. I'm like, okay, no, peace out, you know. But everybody don't want yeah. nobody, nobody wants to Nobody wants to, to give a laundry list or whatever. So, again, you know, depending on the age and, and where they come from, you know, you just kind of wait for those things. to come. And I think that happens in relationships, period. Sometimes you're not going to cover everything in your laundry list. So sometimes you just have to wait for things to happen and see how mature the individual is to handle mm-hmm. the situation. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I but, think but Michael, this is but this is my thing to that. You're get, okay. my thing is I'm getting the same result. I'm getting the same feedback from this person, and I think our disagreement is timing right now because I'm getting the same uh, result and feedback from this person. The difference is I'm getting it now. You're you're waiting to get it because my thing is this. Uh, I kind of use the the God model. God doesn't really judge us on our uh, 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 on what people does to, what people do to us. He judges mm. us on our reactions to what people do to us, and that's kind of what the, my, my model for that. Like, it's not about me judging them for what I think or whatever. You know, I'm judging them off of their reactions to what I'm saying to them. If I'm saying to you, and I'm not saying I'm sitting there. Uh, lecturing you, look, dude, you need to get off your phone. Blah blah blah. blah. No, and I'm not saying to do that with somebody you're 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 actually you know somebody you're just going on a a casual date with. I'm I'm speaking of somebody you're you know you're, you're dating, you're going out with this person. That stuff needs to be stated. Now, whether it's stated at the first date or if it's stated at the fifty third date, mm-hmm. that's your decision to make. But eventually that needs to be said. To some people, those things need to be said because everyone doesn't process the same. Everybody is not on the same level, especially when it comes to social media. Some people really indulge in it. Some people have a more moderate view of it, and some people don't indulge in it at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm it's, just saying, I, I, I think I, it's I'm a timing to... thing. I'm sorry. Okay. I, Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm finished. I know, I know I've been quiet throughout most of this conversation, but I just want to interject something simple. Because for me, it's not all of this, what it's blown up to be. And I think it's, it, it's a depiction of where how much social media has impacted our lives because we're having this conversation. Because for me, I don't go through the whole telling you this. I don't have any expectations either. However, I think it simply boils down to respect. As a mm-hmm. man, as a human being, if we're out together, if we're on a date, if we're interacting with each other, out of simple respect, which is something that should be at the forefront of any relationship, no I expect you to give me your undivided attention. So I mm-hmm. should not have to tell you to get off your phone, and you should know not to be on your phone or not to be doing anything else besides giving me your attention if you're really interested in me. So whether mm-hmm. I say anything or not, I just take it for what it is. If you are doing those things, then that's just simply let me know the respect is a little lower and you don't value where we are right now, so there's no need to deal with you anymore. I don't really nope. dissect it, cut it up, or anything other than that. It's a simple game of respect because as grown men and women, we should give each other that respect to, or know better than to be engaged in a whole other conversation on social media while we're in the front interacting with somebody else live and in person. But just now, because you're over 18 don't make you grown, baby. That's all I got okay. to say. There's a lot of big ass, and men running around here with big dicks and big ass, but they ain't men. There's a difference. It's about. Oh, I know that. What, okay. But it's about. Oh, go ahead, Michael. 
I want I want to stop you guys there because I we only have ten minutes, but I, I want to say this, and then whatever you find in the and whatever you want to say in the in the next eight minutes, fine. In regards to what what I'm about to say, but but I I, I found a post um, from a brother of mine. Um, he's one of my Facebook brothers. I, I'll say that um, since we're so social, we're talking about social media. But um, he said it's so hard for two young people to be together this day and age, especially for two black men. We have no guys. Um, not many examples of successful monogamous relationships, no TV shows, nothing that teaches us as men how to love each other. We literally have to do this stuff by trial, by simply trial and error. So listen to all my friends and followers. It's easy to walk away. It's easy to say I'm done, but stay and fight until there's nothing in you that still wants and or needs him. Love worth having is worth fighting for. So my question for you guys, Anything else you want to add to that? Do we really need pure examples of relationships in order to make them work? I can say for me, and this is just me, I don't need a pure example of what will work. Once I figured out with me what the issue was with me, now I know what I need to fix, and I'm going to make it, make it real quick. I've had four long-term relationships in my life. I cheated through every one of them. Front with the back, whatever you want to spit it, I cheated. Long story short, I was trying to, this is what it was, I was trying to be a top, a full, full functioning top. That's all I was going to be. But in my heart of hearts, I was a verse bottom. So when I was getting all of these bottoms and they weren't giving me what I needed, I cheated. I didn't recognize that after my last relationship. My last relationship was about four or five years ago. Um, and I realized, well, the fucking problem was me. It wasn't them. I didn't know what I wanted as an individual. Mm. I thought I knew what I wanted. I know for me, I'm an ass man all day long. And so every time I see a, a dude, I, that's the first thing I look at is his ass. And what kept getting me hemmed up is that I would talk to these boys with these gases with the expectation of doing whatever I was doing and coming to find out that they were complete bottoms. In my mind, oh, I can do it this time. I can be faithful, this, that, and the other, and I was not being realistic with me. Bitch, I'm the first bottom. I like the dick. So now I know that I can't date a complete bottom. I can't deal with a bottom. So now I am talking to a man, a wonderful man that's listening to the show now, that I met up in the Baltimore area. He is an older gentleman, bless the Lord, but he is a cop. He is a cop. I like the dick. I understand what I like, and I'm going into that path. So for me, I don't need some, uh, a picturesque, the Cosby show or whatever, to let me know, you know, what the role model is or what it should look like. Once I figured out what was the fault within me in the whole thing, now I know how to go forward. That's, okay. that's all I got to say. All right, Cam. Okay, I, w- I would say as far as relationships go, no, I don't think you need a um, a pure example because, like, like Sebastian said, it kind of lies within you. I think the number one key to any successful relationship is about absolute honesty, and I truly feel like 90, I will say 90% in my opinion, I don't, I don't get my numbers from anywhere, but I would say at least 90% of the young men that I come in contact with, they cannot, for whatever reason, be completely and truthfully honest with who they are what they want, what they're about to be, and what they want from someone else. And I think that is what brings about the the problem. 
because mm-hmm. then you're you get into not what you you get into what you call a relationship, but it's really a situationship because you're dealing with something for the time being, trying to make it and mold it into something that it really isn't. Anything that is meant to be, you don't have to force it together. You don't have to force pieces of a puzzle together; they automatically fit. And a lot of people try to make situationships fit, and they refuse to give up on these things and accept it for what it, what it really is. But it's okay for it not to work. It's okay for there to be trial and error. When I started mm-hmm. dating, I started really dating in California. And on the West Coast, there is a such thing as dating. Dating doesn't mean you're automatically fucking. Dating doesn't mean you are automatically have a boyfriend. Dating means dating. It right. means getting to know you, whether I'm getting to know you and we're going to end up as friends, as associates, as nothing, or as lovers, I'm dating you to get to know you. And one thing that I've noticed about men in the South is not if there is no middle ground. We got on one date, and the next date we either going to be boyfriends, fucking, or we nothing. And okay. That that. Also, that is also what we sell at. Because unlike Sebastian. You, you, you got 30 seconds, <laughs> Okay, unlike Sebastian, he cheated in every one of his uh, relationships. I've right. been cheated on in just about all of my relationships, even all the way up until the current one. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm single now, but but I had to understand some things about me too. I placed high expectations, and then in some of those, I wasn't honest about. I can't even see myself with this person long term. I'm trying to step outside of what I usually like, but you can't do that. Don't compromise your beliefs because there is somebody for you. Everything okay. that you stand for, there is somebody that fits that. Thank you so much, Cam and Del Rio. Really quickly, do you have anything? <clears throat> I yield my time, Micah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want, we want, we want uh, you know, some interesting things because I, I wanted Cam to speak about the President Obama, but because of the, the show, I mean, because of the, the presidential address today, I, I said, I digress, we're going to wait on that. Um, we will have another um, another one, I believe it's going to be the 15th of October. Um, so we're going to pick up where we left off most definitely. I thank you guys. Um, audience, uh, no one seems to, to have any questions. We talked about a lot. We talked about a lot of things that I definitely want to, to, to um, talk about further and really get deep down and, you know, nitty-gritty with some things. Um, thank you uh, to Sebastian for um, all the language. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Girl, don't do that. Don't do that. You just see my blog, bitch. You know exactly how I cook. This is a this is a this is a rated art show, so you you do have that right. No, I'm I'm just kidding. I'm just playing with you. But <laughs> and I, I am a Christian. Yes, you are. Um, yes. Now, yes. if you guys will just hold the line for me, listeners, please, please, please listen to the closing. And um, guys, you already know. Hold the line. So hold on one second. What's up, everybody? This is the one and only Stephen Wayne from the Raw Nut Cut Crew. And you're tuning to my man, Michael Lloyd's radio show. Keep it locked. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Talk with Micah. And this is your girl, T.S. Madison. Yes, God, honey, Miss Newing, 22 inches herself. Remember, ladies, if you ain't rocking 22 inches or better, bitch, you're practically bald. I believe that one day I will be. Where I was, right there, right next to you And it's hard, the days just seem so dark The moon and the stars and nothing without you Your touch, your skin, where do I begin? No words can explain the way I'm missing you Tonight, this emptiness, this hole that I'm inside These tears, they tell 
Well, guys, that about sums it up for our very first town hall meeting on the Talk with Micah and Friends. A big thank you to my guests tonight who definitely kept the convo flowing and who weren't afraid to voice their concerns on very important issues surrounding not only the LGBTQ community, but our community in its entirety. As with each show, I must leave you all with a quote of the week. So here's this week's quote. People will have the means to bless you, but won't because they fear it'll make you bigger than them. Again, people will have the means to bless you, but won't because they fear it'll make you bigger than them. Keep the good going, and always remember, pray, focus, and grind. Until next time, you guys be blessed. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.